Love Talk Radio. We believe in the American way, and we built this country called the USA, and we fly our flag because we're proud and free. We're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life. Never back down from a challenge or a fight. Nature provides, God gives the rights. We're Americans. Make up America. It's amazing America. Welcome, Patriots, to our Convention of States podcast titled That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band and endorsers of the Convention of States Project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson, and I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. Our contact information here at That Provident Article, my email address, TexasDC for HD58 at gmail.com. That's Texas, D is in district, C is in captain, the number 4. H is in house, D is in district, the number 5, the number 8, at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same, at TexasDC for HD58. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio website, blogtalkradio.com, TexasDC for HD58. And we're on iTunes now. You can search for that Provident article and you'll find us out on iTunes. Uh, a reminder, our call-in number for the call-in portion of the show, 914-205-5632. We're an amazing America. And welcome, patriots. September 12, 2015, our... Current episode of that Provident article, the Convention of States. I want to take you directly to our news of this past week. Uh, once again, we want to emphasize the Mark Levin advertising blitz and all that that is doing for us across the nation. Um, we want to continue to support Mark as we listen to his show, and we certainly thank Mark for his support of the Convention of States. I remind you again on the website Convention of States. Uh, you can drop down to the news section. It's on the left-hand side of that of the main uh, opening splash page. And all these articles uh, and more are out there for you to review uh, to keep up with what's going on around the nation with the Convention of States. Uh, some of the great stories this past week. We had a, a story there about an Illinois Convention of States supporter named Don Shee. And all the work he's been doing out in Illinois, he seems to be quite technically savvy. Uh, getting our uh, legislative liaison out there connected with our Democrat sponsor in Illinois. Uh, the wonderful thing about Don Shee, he's a 90-year-old World War II veteran, still out there 
fighting the good fight, fighting for liberty, and one of his goals in life, he says, is to see this convention come to fruition before he passes away. Uh, so a great, uh, a great hero for us, uh, a great example for us to follow, Don Sheehan, Illinois. Uh, of course, uh, the big political talk this week has been about the Iranian nuclear deal. Uh, politically, the support across the nation is only at 21%. A, a recent Pew poll puts us at put it, support for that at 21%. Opposition is at 49%. Um, and yet, the Republican-led co Congress could not stop this deal. Um, it is not popular with uh, any of the demographics, Republican, Democrat, men, women, and yet uh, our Republican-led Congress is unable to stop a Democratic presidential administration from basically violating the treaty clause. Uh, the Republican Congress acceded to that, the Senate, and then they've gone ahead and, and basically uh, ceded their power and authority over to the, the president and to his administration. Uh, we want to also remind you, and what was out there on the news uh, this week, uh, we have co uh, Convention of States PowerPoint presentations available. There's one on the news site available, and I also want to remind you on this podcast, if you send me an email, we'll go ahead and uh, send you any of these presentations that we've got. Uh, I actually do these out on Google uh, Slides is their tool, which is compatible with PowerPoint, I can send it to you as a PowerPoint. I can send it to you as uh, Google Slides. Uh, Google is a is a very inexpensive means of having access to a word processor, a spreadsheet tool, and to a, a PowerPoint type presentation tool. Um, but we want to make these tools available to you as uh, as you may see them and as you may see fit to use them. Uh, also, want to point your attention to. A great promotional video we have out now on the on the site called "What the Founders Believed About a Convention of States," and involved in that video are quotes from George Mason, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and then some uh, presidents who aren't founders but are certainly uh, those who believed in the foundation of the Constitution: Abraham Lincoln. Dwight Eisenhower, and even Ronald Reagan. So another wonderful video put out by the Convention of States uh, promoting an Article 5 Convention of States and the men who have, who have voiced their uh, opinion and voiced their support over the centuries. Um, another story out there uh, that's hot and heavy on, in the uh, general news cycle, dozens of intelligence analysts who are working at the U.S. Military's Central Command have complained that their reports on ISIS and Nusra Front have been altered, and altered in such a manner as to uh, make them look not nearly as formidable or as serious a threat as they actually were. And that has been going on for well over a year, and many of these intelligence analysts are coming forward now and, and stating that uh, their work, all that analysis that they've done, uh, has been changed and pre either presented differently uh, to the president and to the national security staff, uh, or at their behest, has been changed. And then finally, uh, what came out uh, yesterday, uh, a video montage of the worldwide live coverage of from 9-11 in, in 2001. Of course, uh, yesterday, September 11th, uh, the anniversary of the terrorist attack on our nation, um, and it's uh, it's good for us to go back to that moment, those of us who 
uh, live through it. For those of you who are quite young, uh, it is good for you to, to see and to witness live uh, really not just that we were stunned, but just the mindset that we had. The uh, We could not believe what we were witnessing, uh, something that did not fathom, we could not fathom, did not cross our minds at that time. On to the presentation portion of our, uh, in the presentation segment of this podcast. As, as always, we begin just by reading the pertinent information from Article 5 in which we concentrate on it at the Convention of States Project. I'll, re- I'll read that again on slide one here. The Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. On to slide two, here's our Convention of States application that we are pushing through. Uh, as, as we've stated before, it's passed already in four states. We have it in, we've had it introduced this past year in 37 states. The legislature of the state of fill-in-the-blank hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Slide 3. The context of these presentations as we've gone through these, uh, we've likened it to those rock climbing uh, facilities that you may see. Each podcast will present just one aspect of Article 5. Uh, we concentrate on that. We're trying to fill in the, the footholds and the handholds as you scale the challenges that are, are brought before you to Article 5. And we know that some patriots need just a few footholds or handholds, and some of us need more. So there's various difficulty levels. You can take these podcasts at, at any speed. We we dive in uh, deeply, and we don't we don't uh, try and have a broad coverage. We are very single focused on each of our podcasts. And uh, the safety net or the safety harness that you have when you climb uh, one of these rock walls, much like that three-fourths ratification requirement for any amendment to the Constitution. Let's review again uh, why we are what we are covering. This week and what we started last week in our series on James Madison, he's a focal point to the opposition, uh, people who oppose uh, an Article 5 convention at this time. Uh, And we went through several reasons why that is. He raised questions during the Article 5 discussions at the Constitutional Convention about how it was formed, what rule would decide anything. Uh, What we're going to begin discussing this week in a letter to George Lee Tuberville Uh, on November 2nd of 1788, uh, and he said, having witnessed the difficulties and dangers experienced by the first convention which assembled under every propitious circumstance, I should tremble for the result of a second. And those of us who uh, fight the good fight on um, the Convention of States Project have heard that brought up several times during uh, testimonies, public hearings, uh, presentations, debates, uh, they'll say, you know, Madison trembled at having a convention. Uh, And then, of course, the Virginia Resolution, which we will cover probably two weeks from today of 1798, which was a protest against the Alien and Sedition Acts, and in which uh, Madison introduced the idea of interposition of the states uh, in his statement that we have there on slide four. 
Uh, a quick review of last week as we went through the context of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, here on slide five, we discussed that the framers were already well acquainted with conventions. Uh, the Virginia Plan, which was presented at the convention on May 29th, uh, had most likely been written by Madison, and that plan uh, included uh, the idea of amending the Constitution, but not providing that power or authority to the national legislature, but to the states only. And the first amending article draft on August 6th provided for an amending convention and did not provide for the national legislature to be able to uh, propose amendments. And we also saw that uh, during the initial support uh, for the Constitution in the Federalist Papers, in Federalist Number 43, Madison very specifically displayed his understanding that an, an amendments convention is akin to a diplomatic meeting of the states, uh, as he explained in Federalist 43. Slide number six. Here's where we're going to go today. We're going to we're going to slow down a little bit because as I as I was preparing this, uh, I realized that uh, just so many of us do not really understand. Uh, the idea of the state ratification conventions after the Constitutional Convention. Uh, and politically, it was actually fairly amazing what happened at the time, uh, 1787 to 1788. We had a, a government, a national government, which was uh, fairly dysfunctional under the Articles of Confederation, and yet there was great patience uh, as there was a four-month-plus-long uh, convention which in, in Philadelphia, which ended up being the Constitutional Convention, and then uh, a year-plus process in ratification, uh, and in fact, uh, North Carolina and uh, Rhode Island, as we'll see, uh, they didn't actually come on board until 1789 and 1790 before the uh, last of the 13 states signed on to the uh, Constitution as it was written uh, in, in Philadelphia in 1787. So we're going to take a look at the stat ratification conventions because they provide context for this letter that James Madison wrote to George Lee Tuberville in November of 1788. And that's all we're going to cover today is the state ratification conventions and the context of, of what was going on at that time. And there were two central issues raised during the ratification debates. We discussed this last week. It was did the Constitution grant undue power to the federal government, and was the language of the Constitution indefinite enough to enable federal officials to exceed or abuse the intended scope of their authority? So these are a lot of the questions that we still have today and a lot of the things that we fight over, um, and those were the main debate points in the various state ratification conventions. And we also discussed last week that Madison saw the state governments providing the principal remedy. He stated this in Federalist 46, but we had a couple questions. Why did he not explicitly reference the state application and convention process in Federalist 46? And uh, we concluded that he may have generally expressed this idea by the, the phrase, plans of resistance would be concerted, that the states would have to uh, have uh, basically coalitions together uh, and consensus together uh, and that could be a very vague reference to the state application and uh, convention process. Slide number seven on the state ratification conventions. We're going to have a, a summarized history lesson of what occurred with the state ratification. So the, the Constitution was signed on September 17, 1787, uh, sent off to uh, the Continental Congress, uh, 
just as a uh, a measure of a means of communicating, and also sent out was Article Seven uh, separately the, of the new Constitution, which is the ratification process, and. Some states got on board right away, and these were up in the north for the most part. From December of 1787 to January of 1788, five states immediately got on board. Delaware uh, had a very, very short convention, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Georgia, and Connecticut. So within four months of the convention, uh, there were already five of the necessary nine states who had ratified the, uh, the Constitution. Uh, and that was part of really the plan that the framers had in how they would present the Constitution and trying to get it ratified. Uh, next came, and this is the really important one, and, and your history lessons, you may remember this. Uh, I had to really, really uh, dig through the cobwebs in my brain to remember what's known as the Massachusetts Compromise in February of 1788. And this was really uh, drafted and pushed by John Hancock, who had been ill earlier but was uh, able to make the Massachusetts Convention. And the idea behind this was, the uh, the plan was, we're going to ratify this now and amend later. And that was to appease all of the anti-federalists. And th this was a plan which was used greatly in Massachusetts to convince them to ratify the Constitution. And then this model was, was followed and used uh, throughout the remainder of the state ratification conventions. Ratify it now. Uh, those debate issues which we discussed earlier, those were discussed and said, we're going we're gonna to propose amendments later. We're going to ask the uh, first Congress that meets to propose amendments and amend the Constitution later. Well, springtime, after the Massachusetts um, ratification, uh, April to May of 1788, we have several other states come on board, Maryland and South Carolina. They also use this approach of convincing the opposition, we want to ratify now and amend later. The, uh, the notes on these conventions are a little sparse, so there isn't a lot of detail there. Maryland would have been expected to be one of the big uh, opponents because s several of their delegates, you may remember from an episode way back, I can't remember which podcast, second or third, in which we discussed the Constitutional Convention itself, there were s several delegates from Maryland who actually were, were quite uh, vehement in their opposition to the Constitution and uh, their leadership in Maryland, one would have thought that that would have been a, a bigger fight, but there is no notes to, to indicate that that was true. And then in the summer, June to July of 1788, um, this was where the big fight came. And uh, the, we have three states that we dealt with, uh, that dealt with ratification, New Hampshire. And along with this ratify now, amend later approach, uh, they said, okay, we'll amend later. We have 12 proposed amendments we want you to consider uh, when you actually uh, meet for the first time, Congress. Well, Virginia, not to be outdone by New Hampshire, they had 20 proposed amendments, plus they had 20 items in a list for a Bill of Rights. So, And they had quite the contentious debate um, as, as we've mentioned before, Patrick Henry, the great statesman, uh, was quite in opposition to the Constitution. But as was true of all these people, all these men, and at that time it was just men who were involved in this, uh, even though those who, who were opposed were quite uh, strenuously opposed, uh, there is no record of them 
any of these breaking off and saying in defiance, we're not going to follow the Constitution. They All of them were willing to civilly uh, work with the Constitution, as Patrick Henry uh the story goes, when, when asked about the defeat on his side in Virginia, uh, what are you going to do next? He said, I, I'm going to get ready and I will go vote when it's time for the elections. And so he was ready and willing to participate as a citizen in the process. And following Virginia, uh, we then had New York, and, and they knew, the framers knew that uh, though Virginia was going to be a big battle, New York was the real big battle. There was strong anti-federalist opposition. On to slide number eight, as we look at uh, the New York delegation as it was comprised, um, there were 19 Federalists and 46 Anti-Federalist delegates going to that convention. Um, and so, you know, we, we had uh, Robert Yates was one of those big Anti-Federalist delegates. Uh, he had actually been at the Constitutional Convention, was one of the, the delegates from New York who left um, because they actually New York was overstepping their bounds for their commission, um, and he was opposed to the Constitution. Um, but again, using that ratify first, uh, amend later, uh, compromise the Massachusetts Compromise, uh, they were able to convince uh, 46 of those Anti-Federalists to switch in favor, and uh, so we had ended up with a 30 to 27 uh, in favor of. Uh, the Constitution coming out of New York. Um, however, they were not to be outdone by Virginia in certainly their demands for what they wanted as far as amendments. Uh, 25 items in the Bill of Rights, 31 separate amendments, um, and this leads up to uh, the, the cor correspondence between James Madison and George Lee Tuberville, and, and for next week uh, we're going to take a look at, at why George uh, why James Madison would have written, I should tremble for the result of a second convention. Um, we want to ask the f question first, just who is George Lee Turberville? He's, he's not a well-known name from the Revolutionary period or from the uh, time period of the convention. Um, but he and Madison did have quite a bit of correspondence, and quite a bit. Uh, we do have a handful of letters between both of them from 1788. It's not just this one letter. Uh, so what is it they were discussing? Uh, what is the tone of that entire conversation? We're going to look at that in depth next week. Now that we have the context of what was going on historically at that time, the state ratification conventions, and, and especially the ones in Virginia uh, where Madison was at and uh, in New York. Attribution, again, uh, here on slide nine, uh, a great little website out there, teachingamericanhistory.org, uh, gives some great summary on a lot of different American history and uh, very helpful here on just giving a quick oversight of the ratification, the state ratification process of our Constitution. And then uh, foundersarchives.gov has the letter from uh, James Madison to George Lee Turberville there, and we will reference that in depth next week. And let's go ahead and open up to the phone lines. Uh, again, the call-in line is 914-205-5632. And quick uh, go over the ground rules. Uh, speak respectfully. Don't use foul language. Uh, no derogatory or defamatory remarks. No shouting or yelling. Uh, let's keep to the subject uh, one thing at a time. And uh, let's encourage dialogue with each other. Let's pause and listen to each other. All right. And we're here live, ready to take phone calls. Um, have yet to have any calls on the podcast. Uh, would certainly love to get feedback, whether it's phone calls or whether you go ahead and contact me by email, texasdc4hd58 at gmail.com. 
um, you can go ahead and uh, leave some comments on the page here on uh, blogtalkradio.com at TexasDC for HD58. Um, you can go ahead and uh, see us uh, on iTunes. Uh, I, I would really love to hear from some of you folks. I, I know that several of you have, have shown some interest on some of the Facebook posts I put out uh, here locally in Texas. Um, anyway, uh, look forward to next week. Uh, I'm enjoying these podcasts. They are a great help to me. Uh, if they're a help to you, I would love to, to hear about that. If you have some other ideas, uh, I do have some ideas for some interviews uh, coming up. I've already talked to one state representative who's agreed to come on and, and give an interview, and that will probably be coming up uh, within four or five weeks, I would say. I want to get through this uh, series on Madison's view of, uh, of the Convention for Proposing Amendments. I want to uh, give you a lot of uh, information, uh, especially about this Tuberville letter, which is, is one of the biggest thorns in our side from the opposition and uh, we'll we'll cover that extensively next week uh, and give you some good context in which to deal with that issue. Uh, but for now, we're going to go uh, again to our friends from Madison Rising and the outro with the Star-Spangled Banner. And that's a wrap for this episode of That Provident Article. I'd like to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, for playing us out with the Star-Spangled Banner. Be sure to visit their website at madisonrising.com and check them out on iTunes or Amazon Music. Also, thanks go out to Mark Meckler, founder and president of Citizens for Self-Governance, and Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project. And more thanks to our state leadership team here in Texas, Don Glacy, our membership coordinator, Martin Harry, our legislative liaison, Tom Dowdy, our coalition's director, and Tamara Colbert, our state director. These patriots have put in thousands of hours of volunteer time for the cause of liberty, and I count it a great privilege to work with them. Yes, we are the brave. Yes, we are the brave. We'll fight you in name. The name of the brave. We are the U.S. of A. But those are no Stand in the frame, the U.S. of A.